You're listening to the Grossed Out Podcast with Rob Gross. It's me. I'm Rob Gross. Welcome to the Grossed Out Podcast. I am your host, Rob Gross. Today, I am joined by Kat Jones. Uh, she is my birthday buddy and somebody <laughs> who I literally just met um, through the pandemic on, you know, through mutual friends and came from quality people and is obviously quality people. And I'm super stoked to have her on today to talk about the one, the only. Caius. It's fucking Caius. <laughs> so excited to talk about Caius. Um, probably one of the greatest road tripping band catalogs records you know whatever it's it is like she said right before we started this is driving music so a little bit about Kat she's currently the editorial director of Warner Warner Music's metal channel The Pit formerly an editor at Kerrang US freelance rock metal journalist for 12 years with bylines and vice Willamette Weekly SF Weekly Sacramento News and Review Dope Magazine where she wrote an amazing piece about the history of Caius metal sucks etc she also wrote the forward for the Stoner Metal History book by JJ and Selmy called Doom to Fail. That is a lot. Kat Jones, welcome <laughs> to the Grossed Out Podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. I uh, I know we've been talking about doing this for a very long time. I'm so glad we're finally doing it because it's super exciting and great. It's a great excuse to just finally get to see your face too. So I'm yeah. stoked about it. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like we've been living this um, just Instagram and text life and being like, wow, we should totally be fucking friends. And then to, I, I've been I've wanted to have you on here for a while. One, because I love Kaya so much and I was so stoked. That's the band you chose. But two, it's like it's always great to meet awesome people and to know totally they, they come, we're in the we're in the same circles and literally we like know all the same people. So let's let's talk about bands and music and you know have a drink. yeah yeah simple. and not only that but it was so crazy like i remember i think i started following you probably like last spring or summer or something like that and you just kept on posting stuff that i was like man this dude just gets me like all the stuff you like is the same all all our philosophies are the same and i jokingly dm'd you and was like when is your fucking birthday like we're the same person <laughs> yeah. and you said march 29th and i was like are you fucking kidding me that's my birthday <laughs> yeah it's I, I didn't i never really i like it's so crazy because i don't really believe like i i don't want to say that i do believe in like the signs and all this shit but i'm not super deep into it my wife is is way more than i am but she'll always show me something and i'm like oh yeah that is absolutely fucking me and then when i right? keep meeting people that have birthdays around my birthday specifically on my birthday or our birthday like my one of my best friends since middle school um i don't really talk to a lot of people from back then but like now she's become better friends with my wife i'm now out of the picture <laughs> but she's <laughs> we're, we're birth i've known her since i was 14 she was 12 and we're birthday twins and i worked with That's a dude amazing. who was rad and he's like when's your birthday it's march 29th and then my wife shares her birthday november 1st with fucking xena <laughs> and with my friend Erica, so these are three badasses that run their wow. own shit or like are leaders in their field. It's just so, it's real. Like if it's not real, this it's too much to leave this up to like, no, that's just a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Totally. Yeah. I am on the same page as you. Like I try really hard to not pay attention to it. And I try to be like, like my dad's a scientist and I grew mm. up with like everything being very evidence-based and like the scientific method and all this stuff. And so for the longest time, I was like, that is such bullshit that people keep talking about this stuff. 
And I still, to some extent, have no interest in knowing like my horoscope or like having it tell my future or something. But I do feel like there is something absolutely fact-based about people who are born in the same time of year, just having similar experiences with like the weather and the time, like the temperature and the light outside, the activities that are going on around your birthday and whatever gravitational pull is happening. Like it's entirely possible that that has an effect on our personality. So, you know, I, whatever, even if it's just a fun thing to talk about, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> let's just say it's, it's true. To talk. <laughs> yeah, it let's totally just say it's is. true because we are obviously the same person. So I'm well, glad that the music world brought us together. Yeah. And, and and like, I always wanted to do more, more writing. So reading what you, what you sent me today was so amazing to, to read because I, I'm an English major and I, I did a bunch, I figured, oh, well, there's no math in that um, for college. And cause I'm mm-hmm. fucking horrible at math. And I figured also, cool. Now I can start writing for like the school paper or like, this will help me when oh, I yeah. get it, when I get a job in the music industry, which I already right. had, like, I didn't realize I was in it for like seven years. And I'm like, wait, I've been doing this for like, okay, fine. Now I have a career, but uh-huh. I did like, I wrote for metal edge and I wrote a cover story, you know, and, and did some reviews and like, I'm awesome. kind of bummed that I never kept that going. So I guess this is like the next best thing for me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like these days, like podcasting is easier for people to consume than mm-hmm. reading an article because they don't like to sit in one place for a long time. I mean, there are always going to be people who like long form articles and there's always going to be giant fans of those fans that want to read anything they possibly can. But podcasting is so portable because you can listen to it in your car and you can listen to it while you're on a walk or like on the subway or whatever you're doing. And um, even if it's just like a passive thing in the background, your brain still takes it in. Whereas I think it takes a lot of like takes a lot of brain power to sit down and be like i'm gonna read the cover story that my friend wrote you know? <laughs> i mean like no totally it's like i've been subscribing to decibel for like probably 12 years but it's like that's bathroom reading like mm-hmm. i don't I, I i never it's never out in the rest of the house like no this is you have a specific time and a place and i fucking love decibel but it's like mm-hmm. I, take the, I take the flexi out i put it in the little flexi box and the magazine <laughs> goes in the bathroom <laughs> like a ritual every month right well i want to go uh, to the bathroom at your house because that sounds it, like <laughs> sounds like you like, have a cool collection in there there's hella decibels in there <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> so um what i what i'm super excited to talk to you about obviously Caius, and i want and i like and you know the 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 eras of the band and like I, I we should definitely get into the side projects and I love all of the, I love when in the article you, you, um, that you wrote talking about, you know, what else Brandt had been doing. And I love like, mm-hmm. che, like that Che record is so fucking good, but I guess, how did you come about finding this band? Like where, like walk me through the process of how you became a fan of Caius. You know, I was trying to think about that today and there are just so many, so many facets of the story that got me deeper and deeper and deeper into it. But I, I came to them a little bit late because, you know, when they came out in the early 90s, I was just a little kid because I was born in 88. Mm. So that was like right when Sons of Caius was starting to happen. Right. Um, they're, they're the first iteration of their band. So when I was a little kid and I was listening to like the music my parents played me or like whatever it was on the radio, I was not exposed to them because obviously Caius was not being played 
either by my parents or on like alternative rock radio in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> like not, Nirvana. <laughs> it was no it was nowhere. I can tell you that. Yeah. It was nowhere. It wasn't a headbanger's ball. It, it was nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's just so weird to me. Yeah. But um I bought Songs for the Deaf by Queens of the Stone Age when I was 14 because I, I like started getting deeper and deeper into like heavier music. And um, I remember just being completely enamored with everything about it. Like it was like unlike anything I had ever heard in my life. And to this day, that is my favorite album ever. Even though Caius is my favorite band, my favorite album is Songs for the Deaf. Um, and I remember just being so interested because the entire album is built to sound like you're taking a drive through the desert mm -hmm. uh, complete with like the car door slamming and the keys jingling and like the car starting and the different snippets of the weird radio stations that are coming in and out as you drive through the desert because there's a lot of places in the in palm desert california where it's too far from la to really get a good grasp on like la stations but it's also too far away from Mexico to get like good Mexico stations, but you get little tiny bits of it here and there. And there's mm -hmm. not really like a lot of straight up Palm desert stations. So it's kind of just whatever's coming in and out, depending on what part of the desert you're driving in. And um, so there's like a weird preacher yelling about like, you know, eternal damnation or whatever. And there's like Spanish speaking stations and there's like, uh, things making fun of like the eternal repeating of, of songs in LA and all that. And so I remember just being like, this is so weird. What's the desert like? And um, I am an only child and I was not very socialized as a kid and I had a computer in my room. So I would constantly just get obsessed with bands. I would go down Wikipedia holes and I would just read about bands I'm so glad that like social media wasn't as big when I was a kid because my entertainment was just like getting every single little morsel of information about a band I possibly could and I would just obsess and I would like I would not shut the fuck up about it to anyone who would listen oh, well this sounds like somebody, <laughs> somebody I know uh, it sounds just Are like we still the same person <laughs> oh yeah it was it was almost I, I used to be obsessive over over baseball card statistics and then when I saw they were striking in 94 over obscene amounts of money and i was starting to work at that time like i was like a baseball umpire or whatever like a little league umpire i was like nah this is not good so i literally just took that approach to music so i oh knew God, all, like, so rad. who wrote what song like which soundgarden song cornell wrote lyrics to but matt cameron wrote the drum part to or like i yes. still like where is it going like what what is not in my brain and clearly in your brain that that it's not even being pushed out it just there's no room for it because your brain is full of like i know who played that third fucking guitar solo in you know raining blood like i know that's i know that's jeff or like it's why why are we like this <laughs> anyway go totally. on and there's so many people that are like that about movies who can remember yes. every single director or producer or you know co-star to, mm -hmm. to like the tiniest details of like what camera shot they were using at different times and i have zero interest in that and it, we also talked about that the other day about how we're both not movie people no. um but i am totally like that about music and some of my friends just have they don't get that at all because their version of nerdiness is something else and so i think there's value in all of it i certainly don't want to say that like being a, 
the music nerd is more important than anything else, but that just happened to be what people like you and I found. <laughs> and yeah. so, so anyway, I uh, went down this like massive Wikipedia K-hole all the time uh, with various bands. But I remember after Songs of the Death, I was like, I got to read about this band and get everything that they've ever done and read about their history. And so, of course, the first thing I discovered was that Josh Homme was also a member of the band Caius. And so I was like, okay, well, obviously I have to buy everything that they've ever done. And I went to the record store in my hometown, which is still there. It's called Armadillo Music in Davis, California. If you're ever there, you have to go. It's amazing. I've been, um, been to oh, Armadillo really? and, oh and to the Dimple in Davis before it closed. You know what's crazy is, uh, yeah, Armadillo is still there as this independent little record store, but Dimple fucking closed. And so did Tower Records that was in the yeah. Dimple location before that. And I just, I'm so proud of them. They have, yeah. they have survived so much. But Hell I yeah. went to uh, the record store and they didn't have any Caius and it was out of print. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll have to order it on the internet. So I ordered, I think I went on Discogs or something. And this was me at like 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. Like uh, I went online or maybe it was eBay. It must've been eBay. Um, I'm not sure Discogs was even like that much of a thing back then or, or I don't not. know if I'd be I don't know if I would have been smart enough to figure it out either so um but I went on it must have been eBay and I bought um um Welcome to Sky Valley I think was the first one that I bought and it showed up and I just was like I put it in my car I must have been 16 because I had a car and um I just completely was like what the hell is this like the, I've never heard anything so hypnotic and calming and heavy at the same time and um like stoner rock was definitely a thing by then because this is probably like what 2004 2005 mm -hmm. um but I had never tapped into that world before and I just remember being like I am obsessed like nothing is like making me nothing has ever made me feel this way before because it was just so, it, it just like felt like being in a warm bath. You know? yeah, no, totally. <laughs> it's, it's crazy too, because at that point they, they had made their mark on, on, you know, creating or, or, or being part of this movement of this subgenre or, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And making a record like Sky Valley is that was like a bold move because at this point, you know, Wretch didn't move units and blues to the red sun like over time has become like this cult standard mm -hmm. but sky valley it was like okay how do we follow this record up that did okay we make a record in three parts that like it, you know has literally they're they're sweets and mm -hmm. in 94 bands could get away with that shit because Caius was probably at at the time I'm sure at the label like at Electro they were probably like oh this band is like this weird mix of Soundgarden and Metallica sure let them do whatever they want mm -hmm. bands are getting signed by like left and right like it didn't matter but like today can you imagine in a streaming world trying to oh yeah well, well we there's 12 songs but like you see there's there's three suites like there's mm -hmm. three parts <laughs> like it would never fucking happen and it was just because of timing but like there are so many gems on that fucking record and so many good riffs and totally. Melodies. And like, like you said, it's like the highs and the lows, the mood, the um, it, it's, it's, it's sweet. It's sour. It's like, it's everything. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's weird because like, 
I mean, I'm glad that I got that record first because I feel like it has a good balance of like all of the different sounds that Caius is. But now I think, I mean, it was like a good gateway drug, but I, I like the early stuff so much more. Like I honestly think Wretch is my favorite record because it's wow. so raw and so weird. And like the lyrics are so stupid and it's just like so, so stupid pure rock and roll you know it's like pure like idiot testosterone like let's party <laughs> well they were fucking chill they were children and it's like like brant was like 14 josh was like 15 16 maybe they were babies so to come up with a song like i'm not or like yeah. cats and jam or the law like what the fuck like that's it makes you i think I think that's that was going to be my next question. Actually, I could still segue into it, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that Wretch is their favorite record. And really? I, don't mean, I don't mean that as a knock. Like, I literally went back to it last week and it had been a few years because I usually just mm-hmm. started blues and then go. And I was like, fuck, this thing rules. And it's so great. <laughs> it's so great. And I kept thinking about like the bands I was in at that time. It's like, we couldn't, like, at the, at, not even close like not even in the, we're not even playing the same sport and like these guys were living in the middle of nowhere swore they never listened to black sabbath <laughs> and like basically i don't think they said that i think they, they were obsessed with black sabbath well that's totally right but it was was it uh, was it might have been josh but somebody did say in an interview very early on that like we didn't listen to black sabbath like my buddies uh, in godsmack who say <laughs> that, they, that they don't think they sound like alice in chains and it's like mm. Um, you named your band Godsmack. <laughs> they were a, they were a fucking Alice in Chains cover band called Godsmack. Oh my goodness. <laughs> the real Boston ones, no. So I found that out later on. I'm like, oh my god, my arguments held ground all these As years. As if people aren't gonna find that out, you know, like it's just, well, I guess back in the day when uh, when the internet wasn't as prevalent as as it is now, maybe it was a little harder to uncover those things. And if you wanted to like tell Rolling Stone something the average fan probably wouldn't find out that you were lying. <laughs> totally. But now it's like, I mean, I specifically remember um, the first time I ever went to the desert. Um, I, and I, I'm jumping around so much. I feel like I need to make a mental note of everything I want to say. I'm so excited. <laughs> but um, I went to the desert for the first time when I was 21 um, because I was visiting a friend in San Diego and I was like, I've never been to Palm Desert. Can we drive out there? And so we, we drove out there and I specifically went to the one record store they have it's called Record Alley and it was in the mall. And this is when I was like, yeah, like 21. So I had just started being a music journalist. I had just like gone to journalism, a journalism program in, in Sacramento. And um, I had started working for Sacramento News and Review. So I was like in that mind. Mm-hmm. And so I went there and I asked them, I was like, uh, do you have anything by any of the people that are involved in like the, the generator party scene that used to be here in the 90s? And, and they were like, whoa, no one has ever asked us that. Like, that's crazy. We went to those parties and I was like, holy shit, tell me everything. And I like pulled out a piece of paper and I was like taking notes as this guy was like telling me all these facts about what was oh, going shit. on. And I, I specifically remember them saying that... Um, that those dudes, I think it was like Brant on like a snare drum and like somebody else um, just like doing Black Sabbath covers at like parties. (laughs) 
So yeah. they're definitely like their favorite band. <laughs> well, I mean, it has to be because even when I heard that, I'm like, man, that's either like you're just stoned and telling like a fucking tale just to get journalists to like bite <laughs> to bite on it. But like, we're so original. We've never even heard that before. Well, it's, <laughs> it's like, like Greta well, Van Fleet being like, we've never listened to Led Zeppelin. It's like okay. everyone's listened to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so put a pin in that because that just made me think of of songs for the deaf. It's like it's like you can't even hear it. It's like a song that's like the best intro yes. to the record. And, um, but, but when you, Greta Van Fleet, there was a review on, when they got like the 0.1 or whatever review on Pitchfork for that first record, which was hilarious. And they, um, they basically said in, in, the, in the review, okay, well, like they're bringing both sides of Zeppelin, like the sexy side and the Lord of the Rings side. But instead of making them in separate songs, they don't know what, they, like they, they didn't know what they were saying. So they, there's literally a song on that first record where like the singer is basically saying he's going to fuck a goat because he doesn't Amazing. understand that like, Oh, like we, they don't, they never, never the twain shall meet. Like, this is like, <laughs> this is, this is the lemon song. And this is fucking like when the levee breaks or whatever, like they're not the same. Like you can't tell mm-hmm. stairway to heaven while you're singing like hot dog. And it's like, so it, really funny, really fucking God, great. And they just roasted so that. <laughs> straight up he's like i don't think and I, and, I ever read yeah. that review but i need to look it up oh my god it's something like and i take the goat to the mountaintop and it's like holy shit you want to fuck a goat okay that's where we're going with oh my this god and i feel really bad i was at my one show in nashville um you know vaccinated socially distant show in nashville a few weeks ago for my boys and goodbye june and all the greta guys were just standing on the wall right behind me and i'm like do i talk to him about the goat no no, no i don't i don't do that <laughs> really wanted to do it <laughs> i would just want to talk to them about anything else just like hey like what's up what yeah. what do you what do you eat for breakfast today yeah. and just have them be like what like what <laughs> do you know who we are <laughs> you'd probably get some they, they seemed very nice very lovely i just didn't cool. yeah I, I didn't have it in me but um okay so 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 now you're talking to this this guy at, at, at record alley, record alley. Yeah. And yeah. so he's, he's giving you like the rundown of, of like the history of these parties and these bands. And yeah. something I, I didn't come to understand later. I'm like, why is everything Mondo and Mondo generator? And like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't understand. I was like, Oh cool. Nick stole the song title from blues. Cool. I didn't. Right. I, it Which took is, me, to yeah. be fair, that is an album that he did play bass on. So he did, he did. No, he, I don't, I, I don't mean stole. I mean, maybe like, like, just like, Oh, that's mine. I'm taking it with me. Right. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely. Um, interesting that I need to jump ahead and and put a pin in this is that um, I did see, um, I did see a Brant Bjork show at Happy and Harriet's in the desert just a couple oh. years ago, like right after I moved to New York, and Nick Oliveri's Death Acoustic Band opened, and Nick played Green Machine <laughs> with his opening band right before. Brant went on and it was just so funny to me because I was like that's a song Brant wrote oh. <laughs> you're gonna play a cover uh, I mean, and you did play bass on that song yes you were on that album but like this is so awesome what if Brant wanted to play that song right right no I mean we've got I've gone through that with like an opening band that we used to obsess about and when I was in my like hardcore band in South Florida I'm like we sound checked their song because that'd be cool and we're like, and they're like, you do it better than us. You play it. And I'm like, we can't play Medicine Man. That's like your fucking banger. And they're like, we hate each oh other. We're breaking. We're breaking up after this tour. And I'm like, okay, amazing. Um, oh um, 
but but that's that's those moments are so cool like i, I was talking to my buddy the other night on, the, I, on my road trip we stopped in nashville and saw my buddies in this band voltage hawk and we're, we're sitting around having dinner and um you know we we were we were talking about like getting to see like these like i've seen nick's death acoustic show in like five different markets i, I saw him in sacramento i saw him in you know seattle here it's just they're not always like the best shows, but it's like, you remember those shows because they're special. Like they're, mm -hmm. they're like, well, what is he going to play? Like, you know, you know, 13th floor, is he going to play, is he going to play like, you know, another love song or is he going to break out like another, like an old Caius tune? And it's like really fucking cool. Mm -hmm. It might not be the best show you've ever seen, but it almost feels like you're watching a little bit of history every time you see it in, you know, in our world. Absolutely. And he, uh, there's so many, mondo generator songs that are really 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 good and i'm i'm glad he yeah. has that for his own thing so he's not just the queen's guy or just the kaya's guy forever because he he very totally. clearly like has a totally different sensibility he's much more he, he brought like the the weird dirtbag like crust punk <laughs> yeah. uh, aspect to it whereas the other guys were a little bit more like um bluesy uh like brant loved uh black sabbath and um Josh, there's a fun fact about Josh Homme. Um, the reason that his guitar playing sounds unlike anybody else in the whole fucking world is that he learned how to play guitar from a polka teacher. Because you read he, that in your article. <laughs> yeah, isn't that, isn't that insane? Like, that was the only person in the desert that was teaching guitar lessons in like the 80s uh, or late 70s or whenever it was. And so he plays to this day, he, he often plays in like these weird scales that you find in polka music. And, and that's why Caius riff sounds so like cool and bluesy, but also like kind of weird and off. And, yeah. uh, and nobody else sounds like that. And so, so to have this like combination of all these dudes coming together to create this sound, that's why Caius created so like this whole movement of like what we can now call desert rock or, or stoner rock or something like that, because nobody had done that before. And that's so crazy. Um, but I'm, wow. I'm going to, I'm trying to make this conversation somewhat linear because we are, we are so <laughs> excited. So I'm trying to figure out like what, what place should I go after that? But um, so yeah, I, I talked to this dude there. I wrote down a whole bunch of shit and I remember that we, we drove out, my, my friend, my friend Ben and I um, drove out to like the windmills that are out there in between mm -hmm. LA and Palm Desert and or it's like, I guess between Palm Springs and Palm Desert. And I just remember being so overwhelmed because it's like the cover of, or not the cover, but the, either the back of the liner notes of Welcome to Sky Valley has like one lone windmill. So in my mind, I was like, I want to see the windmill. And I go out there and I'm like, holy shit, there are windmills as far as the eye can see. Literally, it is like actually. over, yeah, like, like in every definition of that phrase, as far as the eye can see, like I have never seen more windmills anywhere else in my whole life. And I was honestly kind of creeped out. Like, and the desert already, it just kind of vibrates on a different level. Like there's something weird out there and it's, just, it's easy to see why people are just a little different out there um, mm -hmm. because they just live a totally different life but the air feels different and then going to see that I remember just being like holy shit and and I was like well it's stoner rock we have to smoke a joint out here so 
my friends, I'm not even like really that much of a weed smoker, but I was like, we have to do this. So we went to, we parked the side of the road and like walked out into the windmills and smoked this joint. And because I don't smoke a lot of weed, I like had this terrible anxiety attack because I was looking around all these windmills and I was like, oh, this fuck. is the weirdest place I've ever been to in my life. And then we listened to, um, and I remember it just calming me down because um, it's so slow, but heavy and hypnotic and you can just sink into the wrist and they just feel yeah. so good. And you can just focus on the one wrist over and over and over again. And it never gets sad. It never gets depressing. And it just it keeps you level. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, no wonder it's stoner rock because it feels so perfect to listen to right now. Yeah. No, no, you, 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 you hit it. On, you hit on it. It's like in a weird way. And this is not a knock at them. Like, I love sleep. I love high on fire. But like when you listen to like Jerusalem or something like the like Holy Mountain, it's just it's so. I could see why that that's not attractive to some people because it's like, maybe I don't want to hear the same riff for 53 minutes. Like, and, and again, for those of you out there that don't know, this is actually what it is. It's one riff for 53 minutes and totally. other shit happens, but that's what it is. And when you listen mm -hmm. to Caius, it's, it's warm and you do get in that hypnotic kind of trance, like, like almost like in a way that Meshuggah would do it to you, like on like a riff that would end a song on like on, on this repetitive note, but you'd never, but it's never for too long. It's just mm -hmm. long enough. Like their, their songs never meander too far or go to so far off course that you, that they lose the plot. They never lost the plot. And it's like, I was thinking about this on the drive. Cause again, there was nothing in Montana and I'm starving and like, I'm like literally like, there's just nothing. And he's asleep. And I'm like, you know, and I'm just me by myself trying to keep awake. And I'm like, fuck, like this band almost in the same way that like a band, like the doors or like Hendrix, like they did so much in such a short amount of time. And I don't mm -hmm. think there's another modern band because it is modern. It's not like it's the nineties. It's not like, you know, like the 70s or 60s it's modern in a way um i lived through it so it's fucking modern right exactly <laughs> um, but, but there but i can't think of another band that put out so much output in fucking four years they literally yeah. put out four records in four years and that's that's insanity like that's one out that's one album cycle for rage against the machine that's a half album cycle for Boston. <laughs> like, but it's like, yep. <laughs> that, that's fucking crazy. And this, and to think that like, there's so many gems, there's so many gems in those four years, they were just on fire and totally. it would have been, would have been cool to see where it went after like the split with Caius into Queens, but pretty mm -hmm. good segue into the next band. But I mean, I just, it kind of re being able to speak to you about it and knowing we were going to have this conversation kind of rekindled my love for the band. Not that it went good. Away. Oh my God. I'm it so just... glad to hear that. That makes me so happy. <laughs> well, and, and especially for fucking wretch, because I was like immediately, yeah. I'm like, all right, let me get through wretch. And then, and then I was like, I listened to it twice. Cause I was like, wait, this is like <laughs> fucking losing my mind over here. It's so good. Totally. And you know what? I just remembered a, a funny thing about wretch. So you mentioned earlier that they were so young when that album came out. Um, so I have, I have a friend um, who played on some other bands that toured with Caius back in the day. And he, I guess one day was like talking to Josh backstage, just like suit and the shit. And he was talking to him about Wretch and about like that time period and how 
the song Big Bikes was all over the radio in the desert, like the local radio stations. Right. And so, um, and Josh told him that it was really funny because they're, because like it became kind of locally famous. And, and this is of course in like what, 91, mm-hmm. 90, 92 or something like that. Yeah. So uh, apparently all the bikers in town would hear that on the radio and they were like, fuck yeah, this is our jam. Because of course it's like one of those big, stupid, testosterone, ridiculous, like metal as fuck, but like sexy songs about wanting to have sex with a biker chick. And and the lyrics are literally, I want some pussy from a bad bitch on a big bike, which mm-hmm. I like if I heard that from any other band, I'd be like, this is dumb as fuck. But I love that song. <laughs> that so band. <laughs> right. Like, like dudes of he's a veterinarian now. Like it's like, come yeah. on. I know, and it's so funny, but I don't think because John didn't write any of the lyrics at all. Like it was all Josh and Brant who wrote the lyrics. So I can't imagine them being like, here are the lyrics. You have to sing right. these now. <laughs> but anyway, so all the bikers got to know this song and then they played a show and all the bikers showed up because they're like, we got to go see this band that's like, that, that wrote this song that we are all obsessed with right now. And they came out on stage and all the bikers were like, what the fuck? They're like 15. Yeah, and they were apparently awful. like really pissed. Oh, <laughs> they no. were like singing along <laughs> with the song on the radio. And they were just like, holy shit, this is our new favorite band. And then they're like, these are literally virgins. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fucking amazing. It's like, <laughs> it, that's too good. It's like, what's what's great about it is that like, well, that that is insane. But I think I, I'm, I'm getting like this picture in my mind of what this would look like. Because I think that a lot of people that go to the desert now that live in LA or live in San Diego, or whatever, they have this, they, they don't understand the lay of the land where like, Joshua Tree, 29 Palms, Yucca Valley, like, you know, and then into Wonder Valley, where I looked at a house once to buy and my real estate agent had a shotgun and it was, it was just like insane, like just amazing. dirt roads, but it's like amazing. It's I love like, that so much. <laughs> it's so, it was like expansive nothing. And it's like, you know, that's a story for another time. But like, I think what's, what's so, what's so cool about it is that everyone's like, Oh, cool. Pappy and Harriet's or this place, that place. It's like, no, that's an actual roadhouse. They might mm-hmm. have a really good fucking like steak bowl there because they have to, cause it's the only game in town. But mm-hmm. like, these are real biker spots. These are, these are like, it's, it's a nice one, but mm-hmm. these are like, that's the life out there. And mm-hmm. it might change for two weekends in April every year, but that's about it like it's th- that's the life so i think that that makes that story all the more wholesome that it's like no they're like these homegrown fucking heroes that yeah had never, that had definitely never had sex writing this definitely. song <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like like that's a really good point that you bring up that so many people are like oh my god i love joshua tree like i love coachella or whatever like no fuck you you have no okay. idea what the desert is like the None. desert is fucked up the desert <laughs> is like 120 degrees in the in the summer it is like harsh there's the nights are extremely cold because the air is so thin that it doesn't hold in any heat like you you have to you have to be tough the the locals are weird as hell mm-hmm. um like it's not a place that you should move if you're like, oh my God, it'd be so cute if I like had this Instagram house in the desert. It's like, it's a harsh place and it is really, really hot. And I remember uh, I also interviewed um, Arthur C from Unita one time. He was like the guitarist and the guy who wrote all the music. 
And I was like, what, what is it that you think made this music sound like this and being here? And he was like, honestly, going into my, my rehearsal space where there's no air conditioning and it's 120 degrees outside. So it's like even hotter in there. He was like, I think it boiled my brain. And I think that's why I make the music that I make. <laughs> that's like, that's so, I love that you brought that up because there's so many offshoots and we don't have to get like, why do I feel we're going to have to have a part two to this? Because there, there's definitely like, a, this, there's going to be Let's a need for this. Um, <laughs> because I, I remember when I went down that specific rabbit hole, um, like you, it was Queens first. And I like, I got hooked on Queens from the jump because not the EP, not the, not the split, but because I was, I'm a huge Pearl Jam fan and Stone Gossard from Pearl Jam owns Loose Groove Records, which is now reactivated and it's doing great shit, but they put out the first Queens record and then Man's Ruin did the vinyl. Both labels went under. So I, I was there. And then when I was a college rep for Universal, I got the promo for Rated R. I got the promo for Damn. Songs for the Death. I got to work Lullaby. My first day ever at Interscope, I worked Lullabies to Paralyze in store. Oh, at Virgin, that's so cool. Virgin Union Square, like hanging out. I'm like, do I talk to Mark Lanigan? Yes, I have to talk to Mark Lanigan. Yes, like, you and absolutely And he was so to. nice. Um, <laughs> I heard he's a dick, but he was really nice. But it's like, that's, I remember specifically like finding Caius in those early days of me liking Queens. And I think at that point, the CDs had come back in print. Like they were like the nice price or like, you know, super saver or whatever. And I remember mm -hmm. they put a marketing sticker on it. That's the greatest shit ever. And it just said, if you don't know, you're stupid. And, <laughs> and it yes. was just because you know, it was a dig at all the Queens fans that were like, because they were getting hit up left and right. Like put Caius back together, play some shows. And it's like, no, you fucking missed it. Like, or you weren't around, whatever. But like, for the most part, it was like, you, you, you missed this piece of history. And I was one of those people. And yeah. You know, I would, I, I, you know, I've seen John live. I've seen Vista Chino. It's all fucking great, but I would like, I would kill a family to see Caius live. Totally. Did you get to do any of the, uh, or did you get to go to any of the shows when they did Caius lives or Vista Chino or anything like that? Well, I did. I, I saw a Vista Chino show, but I didn't cool. see when it went in after it was before they, I want to say it's before they put out the record. So I, so I didn't see, like, I didn't see it as Caius lives. I, 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 I definitely saw it when it was called Vista Chino. Mm -hmm. It was great. I, like it's fucking great. Yeah. It's like same band, but it sucks that they kind of had to like downsize. Cause that, I think if I'm remembering correctly, when they played as Caius lives, they played at like giant places and they sold out and then, mm -hmm when they had to switch to Vistatino because of the, the lawsuit, um, which we probably shouldn't get into on here because I feel like it'll get us in trouble. <laughs> but, uh, but like, so, you know, Josh Homme basically put a lawsuit on John and Brant and said, you can't use the name Caius anymore. So, right. um, so they switched over. They, like a lot of people just didn't, understand that it was the same band and so they had a lot of trouble selling tickets and they started playing like way smaller venues and so the people yeah. that did get to go were like holy shit i'm seeing my favorite band in this tiny place and that's really cool but so many people just missed out on that whole thing because they were like what that was caius like i had no idea i want to say you know, here, i don't know what happened where did i see it here was it the el ray maybe it was not a large venue it was something like el ray or the fonda or something like that but, okay but it was like that's awesome. And that was the same thought. And of course, like you want Josh, you want that, but 
you're you're still here it like john's voice is like better than ever and it was just so awesome because like i would watch like european festival footage of like his solo band and like it was like holy shit like not only did, does he still make great solo records and like shit like obviously over the years like you need a slow burn like hermano all that shit's great but like to see them play Kaya songs again with most of the band, still pretty fucking sick. Oh, that's so cool. I totally missed out on that. I, I'm like living vicariously through you right now because I think um, that was happening right before I moved to Portland. I was still in NorCal at the time. And then, uh, so they came through as Kaya's Lives and played the Roseland in Portland. And then they were going to come through as Visicino, but they uh had the ticket sales were so low that they first moved it to a tiny venue and then they canceled the show altogether oh fuck so yeah it was not it was not good so i i maybe we should get into the lawsuit stuff because <laughs> uh i don't know it depends do you want to do that now or do you want to do that in the part two <laughs> why don't we, we, we could do the we could do the part two i would do the part okay. two I don't want All you right. getting in trouble either um well i mean I, the, here's the thing like i don't i don't I don't, I'm not afraid of actually getting in trouble. I just know that, you know, when I interviewed Brant for Dope Magazine, uh, it was in 2018. And when I interviewed John for uh, Metal Sucks, it was in 2014, I think. And so all the facts that I have about the lawsuit are based in stuff that was like years ago. And sure. I don't want to get something wrong. Um, and I don't want to speak for them. And I also... Um, I was listening to a podcast that I think was done by uh, the Caius World people uh, where they actually got Josh Homme on there to talk about it. And on the podcast, he mentioned that if Caius ever got back together, which he was like hinting that he might be okay with, um, that he would want to do it for charity or something like that. Like he would want it to be like a good reason to do that. And I, when I heard that, I remember thinking, do, do the other guys know that he's talking about this? Like, are they cool now? So I don't want to accidentally get something wrong, but. Right. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's God, it, it, you know, it, the whole thing always seemed like Josh has been so successful. So hearing him, you know, be the holdout all these years, it's like, not to, like throw them a bone. Like, I don't mean that they're all doing their own thing, but it's like, look you 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 go back for queens like you go like when i'm right when i moved back to la like one of the first shows i saw was queens doing the self-titled record at the fonda so like mm-hmm. he's okay to go back well like just go back a little further like you could do it like i believe in you you can go back a mm-hmm. little further even if it was something like crazy weird like i love when bands like how mr bungle like got back together and we're like yeah but we're gonna have dave lombardo and scotty and join the band and we're only gonna play our fucking demo that never got released from 1986 and it's like right? yeah, fuck yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah let, let's let's go and it was honestly like obviously just before the pandemic but like I saw three nights of that shit at the Fonda and every night oh, I was that's like, awesome. same set. And every night I'm like, let's fucking go. Let's do this. Cause I, like, I know been such a blast. <laughs> it was so much fun. As like all the homies were there. Mark Shapiro is in town. I got to introduce some friends to the band and I'm like, no, this isn't what they actually sound like. Like when I, we all came <laughs> up with them, but like, it's so cool. And, it, and it's like, you could do something weird like that, like come back, but only play wretch front to back. Like you could do something so off the wall or like, we're only going to play shit off circus. And it's like, yeah, okay. Like what, like, what, I don't care if you want to play one inch man for three hours. Like that song, song. just come back (laughs) like, (laughs) and, and make it really special. Like maybe it's, 
a show in the desert and then it's done or like you play one show and it's like here at the greek or who the fuck cares and it's like a big thing and it's for charity and then it's over and you record it and release it and like i mean this is my marketing brain turning on now Mm -hmm. like what you could you know this charity could do this yeah but like how fucking cool on the other hand you know again don't want to get myself in trouble don't want to speak for anyone i have never interviewed josh so i don't know his side of the story and I uh, am definitely partial to the Brant side because he probably is my favorite musician in the whole world. Um, I literally have, what would Brant Bjork do? With this oh, WWE DVD tattooed on the back of my arm. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> ruined, uh, logo yeah, right no, oh, I noticed that. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, kind of a joke with me and my friends after like the funny, um, the funny video that was circling around the, uh, on YouTube. It's like a clip from Sabia where he it's like Brant walking to the store narrating his trip to buy beer have you seen this it's called Brant Bjork buys beer you have to watch it and so it's been a joke between me and my friends like what would Brant Bjork do like he would chill out he'd go to the store and buy some beers everything's gonna be fine but anyway that's a total total side rant um that's awesome I feel like um you know, I'm obviously partial to the dudes who are not Josh, even though I love Queens very, very, very much. And I have to wonder if they were to do it again, if they were to return for charity, that's cool. But the other guys aren't as rich as Josh. Thought and about so that like, too. wouldn't they, shouldn't they get some money if they're going to do it? And I think that's why, I mean, it's not why they did Caius Lives. Obviously they did Caius Lives because they wanted to play in a band they want to make some cool shit happen they wanted to be able to play those songs again but also they want to put food on their table they'll they have kids they have stuff that they want to do like scott reader has a fucking farm Mm -hmm. (laughs) they have mortgages to pay they have you know they have wives and kids and like everyone needs to be able to get paid for their art and so it's easy for josh to say we would come back and we would do it for charity but it almost feels like, like uh, maybe he should ask. <laughs> the guy well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the other the other three dudes aren't exactly making records with Elton John, you know. Yeah. And, exactly. And so, no, I thought the same thing when I when I saw that too. I'm like, oh, that's really cool, but also, mm, like, come on, there's got to be like maybe there's a balance. There's some sort of like balancing act in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, so maybe um, so. Yeah, maybe so. so. I mean, fuck, it'd be so cool. So, um, okay, so what do you think? If, the, if, if you definitely threw me with a curveball on Ratch, so what is <laughs> no? Which I which I fucking love, but like, what's the best record? Ooh, that's a very good question. Um, I have thought about this a lot, mm. and I honestly don't know because I think that all of them are so different um i think i don't know i guess if i were just to do my knee-jerk reaction it would be blues for the red sun because it's so heavy and weird and like as much as i earlier said that welcome to sky valley is such a a perfect amalgamation of everything kaius is those movements get kind of confusing that you were talking about earlier like the tweets that, that they're to get yeah. the record is in and it's a little bit out there it's a little more psychedelic and ethereal and i think that blues of the red sun gets in gets out it has it has some hits you can sing along to and it's still raw like wretch was 
right um but not so raw like wretch was that it's like the bass tone kind of sounds like a fart it's like <laughs> it does <laughs> Which I, yeah. I also it does. love that but like right. we definitely had to dial some things in we need a higher budget and so i think loose the red sun is the best one because it still had brand on it mm. it has the hits you can sing along to it's heavy it's still raw uh, it also has Nick Oliveri, which is cool, mm. even though I love Scott Reeder. Um, and I, yeah, also Thong Song is probably my favorite Kaya song, and that's on there. And so it's like hard for me to, <laughs> so good. to not choose the one with that on it. <laughs> no, and I and I thought that they may have, I'm like, wait, did they write the, I, I was so stupid because like I, I heard their Thong Song after Cisco's Thong Song. Because and I'm like, wait, yeah. no, 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 no. This cannot they didn't cover be Cisco, did they? Well, I thought maybe Cisco covered them. I didn't know what the fuck was happening. But yeah, wouldn't that they, be amazing? Maybe yes, that would split be where they cover amazing. each other's song. Listen, I I love a good switcheroo. That's fucking great. That's fucking great. Um, no, but but that I think I agree with you because like I mean, that's. There's a for me, yeah. I, I there's like those moments on Sky Valley where you do have like a hit like Demon Cleaner, and there's and there's like that and, and that riff comes in and it's like the break, like the, it's almost like the C parts, and it's like holy fuck that riff. But blues is just one banger after the other, and it's like mm-hmm. for what they were, and they kind of went back to that a bit, I think, on on in the Circus Leaf Sound, like it's just more songs, but yeah. it's just like you forget how. You kind of, I sometimes I don't want to get lost that way, like you do on Sky Valley. I just want them for a specific purpose. And yeah, totally. But yeah, it's always interesting because, like, favorite record and best record are like so rarely the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you just, you just know, like, okay, this is the one that brought them to the dance. This is the one that like has like the hits and whatever, but like they ain't their best. Totally. And I'm, I'm like, I feel like not enough people separate those two things. I, I think that's incredibly cool that you ask those two separate questions because um, there's the one that that your heart lives in and yeah. then there's the one where your brain lives in. Oh, They're always going to be, yeah. so every, every now and then they're the same, but it's pretty rare, I think. Like even that's for Queens, sweet. like I love, I'm, well, actually, you know, now that I'm saying no, Songs for the Deaf is both. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, even, even like, uh, um, Oh my God, I'm forgetting the title right now. Uh, the garagey weird one with the light bulb videos. Um, uh, Era Vulgaris. Era Vulgaris. Um, mm. That one has so many songs that I feel like make me want to dance. And like, I, it's like sleazy and it's like so pure rock and roll. So like even the songs to the death is like the one where like my heart will always be in that one. I also mm. know that like Era Vulgaris is it holds a an, another place in my life and so totally. I um yeah I I'm gonna stand with my my position <laughs> the Queens one's weird for me because I like it look it's it's I don't think you can argue that Songs for the Deaf is their best record it just fucking is like there's not yeah. it, there's no there's no need to try to be cool about it it's the best fucking record and it's and I can go to I can listen to that record even if I'm not in the mood for it I'll put it on and still like you know be like fuck like god this is good totally but, it's but a soundtrack for everything <laughs> for everything and there were so many hits on it but it also the deep cuts are so good and like it's a good balance of josh and nick and dave i think that's dave Grohl's best work and really and, and the drum sound is so dry but i mean that in a good way but then like my favorite record is the first one because it's got mexicola on it and that's like yes that song is the fucking best and 
And then I shot a video in Mexicola for like a pop artist. And I'm like, really? oh my God. Like now I, like, it sounds so stupid, but like now I feel or understand that song even more because like I drank gallons, gallons of water that day and I didn't piss once. Wow. It's so gross out there. Like, so wait, tell me, first of all, like, I mean, I want to hear the rest of the story, but what, yeah. who is the singer that you did the, the video for? And so can it, I find this video somewhere? Yes, you can. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's an, um, she's a good friend of mine now. The artist is Liz Hewitt. And she used to be a singer for Taylor Swift and she signed to Interscope and made like a pop, almost like a, a bunch of sleazy pop songs and they're fucking cool. great. And she has a song called shut the fuck up and hold me. And that was her first single. And I don't know how we ended up shooting out in, in, in Mexico and Calipatria, but we just fucking did. And it was, I mean, it was horrible. Like it was so hot. Her makeup kept running. So she had to keep getting her makeup redone. And it was just, it was brutally hot. Like I've never felt heat like that before in my life. Yeah. It was, it, it was like, it just gave me a better appreciation for, how life is out there like it was totally normal like there was like two dudes that were like sitting at a chessboard but they weren't playing chess they were just staring at each other shirtless for like an hour wow fuck this is nuts <laughs> out of here. i mean i like five i think at like two or three in the morning i decided to drive home because like there's one motel in calipatria and it is not clean. And um, I was like, I'd rather be in the car with like Sour Patch Kids and a Mountain Dew and get the fuck out totally. of here than sleep in this motel. And the next morning, my videographer, who was uh, my buddy, Jesse, who was uh, the Bruce Springsteen episode, he was like, yeah, I found like four species of bugs I've never seen before. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK. All right. Fantastic. I made the right decision. Like, And it was pretty cool to like watch the sunrise on my drive home. And oh my god, I bet that was beautiful. It was, I mean, I was dead, but it was pretty cool, you know? You know, I, I think that desert sunrises and sunsets make everything else worth it. Um, and there is so, there's so much out there. I mean, like we were talking about the first time I ever went to the desert earlier. Um, I've probably been there seven or eight times since then on, on various adventures, like either day trips or for three or four days or whatever and uh some were music journalism related and some were just for fun but the last time that I was there was the time I was talking about when I went to see Brett Bjork play at Pappy and Harriet oh yeah and it was um it was the day before the big ISIS reunion show in LA oh. and so um I had just moved to New York I basically like when I was in Portland a bunch of my friends and I got tickets and then I decided to move to New York so they were like are you still gonna come to the desert it's like a week after you move and I was like yes I'm gonna well I'm gonna go on this trip so I drove across the country moved into my apartment in New York spent like three days there and then flew to LA got picked up by my friends and we went to Joshua Tree where we had this Airbnb and then we were going to see Brad York play at Pappy and Harriet's and then the next night or the, ne the next day drive to LA and then see the Isis Union show and then I was going to fly back to New York. It's a crazy fucking trip but um so this is in what like October or November like 2018. I was um, at ISIS. That was the cave-in Isis. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So it was the night before that. Man, I wish we had known each other. That I, I totally would have bought you a drink. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah. Uh, so the night before, uh, we went to um, this the show in the desert. It was just like me and a few of my very, very best friends, uh, some from Denver and some from Portland. And we all met there. And we drove in um, our friend's van uh, that they used for touring. So there were like seven of us in a van. And while we were at the show at Pappy and Harriet, we were all getting notifications on our phone, like those, like those warnings that when everyone's phone goes off and it's like, meh, meh, meh. Yeah. Um, and it said flash flood warning. And every time I've ever gotten a, like a crazy warning on my phone, it's like something that I ignore because it's like, okay, whatever. Like, or it's an Amber Alert thing where I'm like, okay, if I happen to see that type of car that I remember from the thing, I guess I'll call someone. But yeah, like, yeah. so I, we're all just so trained to ignore that stuff. We're like, flash flood, whatever. It's the desert. It's fine. And it started pouring like, like a lot. It was like dumping down rain, and I could see it because we were watching, you know, Nick Oliveri play, and then Three Up York fan played, and it was so cool. And then we're looking out the door, and it's like just like just pissing down rain outside and I was like that's really random because when we drove in it was like a beautiful sunset and like everything was so awesome and like the, the west the weather just changed so dramatically so fast and uh so finally like we're, we're all getting all these warnings and we're like maybe we should get back <laughs> we should head back to the Airbnb because it was like a I don't know 25 minute half an hour drive to like the middle of nowhere from Poppy and Harriet and uh, we made it about five minutes down the road before there was like a full on river going through the road that was like just rainwater gushing because it's so dry out there that if it suddenly starts dumping down rain, it's not very absorbent. It's not like used to water. And right. so it just stays on the top of the ground and just creates these rivers. And none of us had ever experienced that before. So we were like, uh, it doesn't look safe, but I bet the van can go through it, it's fine. And so we had a couple hairy things where we were like driving basically through like two feet of water. <laughs> and it was, it was fucking crazy. Like one of our friends had to get out and like help this man with a peg leg who was like stuck in the <laughs> river and like crazy oh, shit. Just like not at all things that sound real, but they're totally right. real. And then uh, we finally got to this like dirt and sand road that was going out to like where our Airbnb was. And we got stuck in the sand and we didn't know what to do because AAA couldn't come get us. Uh, yeah. I don't think any of us even had service out there. And uh, basically everyone who lived around there knows like if there's gonna be an intense rainstorm, you just don't leave your house because it's too dangerous to try to drive on those roads coming back. But we did not know and we are idiots. So we were like, woo, let's go party. And, um, and yeah, the van got fully stuck in the sand and we all just had to spend the night in the van, like seven of us in the van. And the like there's like water gushing all around. We were like, do do we die tonight? Like we have no idea. Right. Um, and we didn't really want to like stay up uh, and like talk to each other and and like with with no like and we're all mad, of course. Every every one of us was like, I could have driven, like I could have gotten this out of this, like dumb people do when they're trying to get out of a disaster. Um but anyway, so like we all just were like, okay, we should just go to sleep. We should just like go to sleep right here. And I remember just thinking, like, I wonder if, if the water gets high enough, is it gonna like carry this van away? Because <laughs> that happens. And uh, but yeah, we woke up at like 7 a.m. Beautiful clear skies. Everything is totally fine. None of us died. We all just really had to pee. And um, so we ended up getting pulled out of there by a tractor. And and then 
we walked the like two miles back to the Airbnb as like the sun was coming up and it was fucking beautiful. And we were just like, what the hell was that? Um, Crazy. We're just having this huge amount of reverence for like, holy shit, the desert is not something to fuck with. No. And, um, and then we were driving back out when we finally like took a big nap and checked out and we're driving to LA. Um, there were all kinds of cars that were like buried in the sand that we saw. <laughs> and there's actually, if, if you Google it, um, uh, you Google like, um, Joshua tree flash flood, 2018, there's a, there's a picture of a Volkswagen bug, like buried in the sand. You can only see like the top window sticking out. And I was like, that could have been us. <laughs> That's wild. I mean, you guys are actually lucky you got out alive, let alone like <laughs> yeah. a rad story to tell. I know it's it's really 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 crazy and we talk about that all the time like remember we almost died and our other friends are like oh we're so tired of hearing the story and we're like no it was crazy though <laughs> yeah and um but there's a Queens of the Stone Age song on Air Vulgaris called River in the Road oh yeah and I never really paid attention to it before and now when I listen to that album I'm like oh literally there's rivers in the road <laughs> Well, it's just I think you just nailed it right like you had your experience but like the these bands have and this like this group like even like going out to like you know the casa out there like with Dave Catching and that whole crew they have such a unique tale to tell they have such a unique mm -hmm. like it's so different and it's like the experience out there like people are drawn to it but to your point there's very few that are tough enough to like live it and not just right be for like Coachella and stagecoach like no this is a, that's like a whole other world and even from like below Joshua Tree like when you're going like into like Palm Springs like it's not it's wonderful and I love it there and when I when I want to be bougie and go to like the Parker and get a fucking mm -hmm. rad shrimp quesadilla it's my favorite <laughs> on the planet but, but like I prefer going to Joshua Tree and going to Pappy and Harriet's and like like I remember like I stayed right when they were renovating the, mo the Pioneer Town Motel they were doing it room by room as they could afford it. And we stayed in one of the freshly remodeled rooms, but they clearly had not gotten to the bed yet. And so oh my gosh, fucking gorgeous Pendleton style, like just everything that you could imagine that, that like what it all looks like now. And mm -hmm. the bed was like sleeping on some fucking Flintstone shit. And I, <laughs> I already have like a terrible back. I had surgery like four years ago. So like, this oh, is no. Yeah. I mean, but it's, so you're it, like, if you have a bed, a bad bed one night it's gonna like really mess with you it was pre-surgery and it was like dying and I got up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep and so I just threw on a jacket and like walked like the old the little the little movie set that's right there and it was the most beautiful thing in the world like I could barely move like I was walking like a 90 year old wow. man or whatever but I'm looking at the sky and like you see the stars so clearly and like it's like jet black until you really start looking and then it's like stars are everywhere and it's uh -huh. like this is it's like, this is the reward for all the pain you deal with through the day of mm -hmm. living out in the desert is like that. It was just, and I, and I get why such unique music is made out there because it's a mm -hmm. unique set of rules and people and experiences. And, you know, it's, you're dealing with, it's not like four guys that just get into like a rehearsal space and make a record. Like you gotta find people out there. Like right. find people. Like if you don't already know them going to like whatever your high school is, like you have a limited there's a finite amount of like people that are going to be into being in a band 
then that are going to be into being in the, into the same kind of music you are, then that want to make music, then that play mm-hmm. the specific, like finding a bass player in the desert, you know? So totally, especially back in the play. day when like, you know, uh, Craigslist wasn't there, Instagram wasn't there. Like you just had to walk up to the other long-haired skater kid at your school and right. say like, do you play an instrument? Right, like, <laughs> and as far as I remember that, I think that's actually kind of how Brant found Josh and the other guys. It was like, like can do you play guitar can you learn here like can can you learn how to play bass i think nick learned how to play bass for that (laughs) so it's so crazy like do you like black flag and the obsessed like 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 what else can you fucking say to somebody right Um, you know it's interesting that you mentioned black flag like brief side note um i remember a long time ago when i was going through my initial obsession with all this stuff and i had just started being a music journalist i um, I was working for a few publications, but I also briefly started this this blog called Fuzz and Hellfire. I have no idea why I called it that, like fuzz pedals and stuff. Sure. Um, but I it was like one of my my missions to like interview as many people about this genre of music as possible and like talk to them about why stoner rock and sludge and all that stuff was becoming popular again for the first time in like 20 years. And I remember asking both Grant and Buzz Osborne from the Melvins about why Caius and Soundgarden sound kind of similar, even though they're like really far away from each other. And without missing a beat, he was like, "Cause Black Sabbath, or because uh, because Black Flag was the only band that went to both Seattle and the desert. Because um, wow. you know, back in the day before grunge, Seattle was like not on the map. It was, I mean, you know, it was like it was like a lumberjack town, and like it was too far away, too out of the way. Bands didn't want to go. It was too cold, too rainy, and the desert was the same thing. Like um it was like too far away from san diego and, and la and san francisco they wanted to just go up the coast instead yeah. but black flag was like fuck that we know we're gonna get more hardcore like punk fans that want to come out and and love us because we're gonna make the effort to come to them Hell and yeah. so the kids in seattle and the desert were all black flag fans and I love that so much. Like the connection is totally there. And yeah. listen to my war, like you can totally see how it, it it influenced both sides of those things. Oh, totally. I mean, they were they were making Black Flag was making like those weird records where like the second side, like, yeah, but my war, but like the, a lot of these records were like, it's like, okay, you know them from like TV party or whatever, like damaged, but like right. they started making what was the equivalent of like Stoner Rock probably before the melvins or around the same time and the melvins were still really fast at that time Mm -hmm. so it all i don't want to say who's first it's like saying who's the first metal band like it's like well right wolf was it like you don't know like you don't know right it's like right everyone thinks everyone has their answer and they think they're right but to me it always made sense that black flag really like they're that bridge to hardcore and to stoner rock Mm -hmm. especially like the weirder later years like not super later, but like still Rollins, but later. Right. <laughs> Let's be clear. I don't know nearly enough about Black Flag. That's a band that I, I feel like if you ever do an episode on them, I need to listen to it because I need to I need to ingest all the knowledge about that band. But oh, the stuff too. that I have. Yeah. Oh, if, really? No, because if it's not Rollins, it's not that I don't care. It's that I don't care. And I, I don't know however to say it. Like, I know that it's important into like in the ethos of like our music, but like. Yeah. It's almost like, okay, well, I love the Rollins band, but how would it be if, like, I don't know, Danzig fronted it? I don't want that. Like, right. I love Danzig, but I don't want him fronting. So it almost felt like to me, again, because I'm younger and I wasn't there at the, I was 
one when black flag started or not even born yet i'm sorry so like Mm -hmm. i to me black flag is henry rollins and i know that's probably sacrilegious to many but i that's just my experience you know totally and like music fandom the only thing that matters is your experience like it doesn't it doesn't matter what someone else says is important to listen to if it didn't touch you at the right time in your life it's just never gonna come and like that's that's why I was saying earlier, it's so cool you have this podcast so you can like have the excuse to dive into these discographies that you've never heard before. But if you didn't, maybe you would just never listen to those things and that would be okay. That's fine too. <laughs> you know? I, 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 they'll remain nameless before I get to this next question, but I, um, a buddy of mine wants to do um, an artist that I just don't, I can't do it. Like I can't, I can't, it's almost like math. I can't, like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to wrap my head around it. I don't care about mm-hmm. it. It's not even like, I don't know this. Like I have a friend that wants to come on and do Charlie Puth, this pop artist that I'm like, yeah, let's fucking do it. Like, like this mm-hmm. intrigued me that like your fandom for this pop artist who like most people are like, this is a fly by night thing is like your love for Caius. And it's like, I want to talk to you about this. Cause like, not that totally. I'm not, it's not for me, but I want to hear about it from you. Right. I just can't wrap my fucking head around. And I, just, <laughs> I, lo- I love him. And I was like, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta let him down slow. Um, well, I would love off the record for you to tell me who this is. <laughs> I will absolutely. Well, it's one that you probably are like, Oh dude, come on. But I just can't I maybe in, in due time. So um super unprofessional but i i am running out of juice and there's nowhere to plug in here but no problem it's okay i want to get to this last two-part question it's super important um i always ask i always end the show with this i want to know what you think that sexiest like strip club anthem is for caius but at the same time also what is your funeral caius song okay well i think that big bikes has to be the strip club one (laughs) because i mean like i i could go off the wall and be like okay well we want to be like a sensual like like cool song we could we could slow it down and we could we could say like uh like i don't know asteroid or like something that has like a slow but like heavy wrist but uh yeah it has to be big bikes like like, can you imagine being in a strip club with that song comes on like everyone would be like oh shit yeah like the money would be flying it'd be amazing wait this is Um, this is specifically a jumbos right like this is the only place this works or like if there is a strip club in the desert which i hope there is and i would like to go to it when the (laughs) pandemic is over like i would like just i would like to take out like 200 dollars and send all my money there um just put a wretch on repeat yeah (laughs) just be like can you put i'll I'll tip you so much if you get a stance for big bikes for me um and i actually i do know of a dancer who dances at jumbos who loves caius and so i feel like when they reopen i bet if i come to la we could make that happen i think i might know the the same person you're talking about really yes uh so i think her dancer name is naomi um and she um she's hilarious she runs um like a digital uh, strip club like a cyber strip club called naomi drome and she's hilarious um her instagram is enron scandal <laughs> no, but anyway she posted a video of herself dancing to love has passed me by by caius the other day uh which is a song on wretch and uh, i don't know if it's i don't know if it was a post or a story so i'm not sure if you can look it up but maybe it was a reel actually Anyway, okay. find her anyway, because she's just fucking hilarious, and she's a great dancer, and she just genuinely seems really cool. Um, but yeah, I bet she would dance to Big Bikes for us if oh we God. wanted her to. 
Um, but funeral song, I wish that I had prepared for this because I would have probably had a much better answer. Um, but I think at my funeral, I would like people to listen to Son of a Bitch because yeah. I would like to see them, instead of being sad, I'd want them to just be like, God damn, son of a bitch, why'd she die? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's it, right? That's like it's supposed to be fun. <laughs> like that's that, that's that's the breakdown of this question that makes like I, I you know it's like always like people like sometimes go for the somber one, but then also like wouldn't it be amazing just to have like the most fucking like raucous like crazy song is like the last song or something to like completely annoy your relatives with? That would be my ideal funeral: annoy the crap out of my relatives and make people party at the same time <laughs> yeah. yeah i was like she's gonna say son of, like, i always say son of a bitch i, forgot, I, I felt like you're gonna say rodeo but like it's a way better <laughs> that show that would be amazing yeah can, can my funeral just be a rodeo and <laughs> also they play that song but i just remember a long time ago listening to wretch in my car i think i was like 21 so this is like i don't know 2000 or something and um I remember just like rolling down the windows and blasting son of a bitch and my friend at the time was like this song just sounds like someone stubbed their toe <laughs> <laughs> and so just like yelling god damn son of a bitch I stubbed my toe over and over again and I just thought that was the funniest thing I've ever heard and I can't I can't listen to that song without hearing that and so the idea of someone also saying that like in response to someone dying it's yeah. just like the funniest thing ever to me. So family, yeah. if you're listening, uh, this is my will and testament. <laughs> <laughs> this is your this is like this is like your fucking this is it. This is this is yeah. <laughs> that's fucking amazing i love that so much and i promise if we're around we'll make your shit if, if you kick it first we'll make it thematic for you. Perfect. I really appreciate that Rob. No, no I'm I'm inviting myself to your funeral. <laughs> Yeah, I know you're definitely invited. So, um, like, this is a public permanent record now. So, yep, you know, everyone is. listening, make sure that Rob is invited to my funeral. Fuck yeah, thank you, Kat. So, <laughs> he can be the DJ. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh my God, don't do that. I will, you will, well, you'll be dead. So, somebody else will regret it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am so fucking stoked that we got a chance to do this. Um, like I said, we, we have there's you know there's gonna be there's a a lot of technical uh, issues on this one, but we made it through, and um, we def I really do like I say this a lot, but I really do want to part want to do a part two with you specifically. Okay. Because, um, there's so much more I think to your story and your connection to the desert that I think we can. I would love to do like a Brant one, or when we talk about side projects where we just get into because I'm. Sure. I'm so nerdy about that shit and i would love to talk to you about that a brant episode would make my fucking life uh <laughs> the only thing is i may have to request that my best friend liesel join me uh <laughs> for it because she um she and i have many hilarious stories involving brands and i feel like telling them without her would be real travesty so <laughs> great well, then that'll be my first three-person episode and we will be uh yeah I, it's welcome let's fucking do it I will tag all, I'll tag your podcast. I will tag your personal socials, whatever you need. Please uh, follow Kat on everything that's down below in the description. Listen, thank share, you. subscribe. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Gross Out <laughs> Podcast. Kat Jones, you're a legend. Thank you so much.